iHeartRadio's getting you in the mood. Yeah, that mood. Binge Sex.Life, Season 2 now. Join sexologist Morgan Penn and Hayley Sproul for a 10-episode journey into the most intimate sides of New Zealand. Morgan's putting her body on the line to find out what's going on inside and outside of the bedroom in Aotearoa. Season 2 of Sex.Life is out now. All thanks to our friends at Wild Secrets. Use the promo code Sex.Life for a 20% discount at wildsecrets.co.nz. Hello and welcome to On the Tiles, the New Zealand Herald's politics podcast. I'm your host, Thomas Coughlin, the Deputy Political Editor of the Herald. With me today as, as my guest is my colleague, News Talk ZB's Political Editor, Jason Walls. Jason, hello. I, th- I feel we're more than colleagues now. I'm, I'm colleagues, sure we can... Dear friends. We can say friends. Dear friends. Yeah. We can be friends. We can be friends and colleagues. <laughs> <laughs> so Jason, um, we're recording this in Wellington on Thursday afternoon. You're on your way to Auckland tonight. Because we don't have a new government. We don't. We don't. Uh, it's about a month after the election. It's um, coming up to two weeks after the specials and still absolutely nada. And to be honest, yeah, people, I think we're still relatively young in terms of our understanding of MMP in New Zealand. And we've had the blessing of a 2020. There was no coalition period. Um, so people co- quite rightly are getting a little bit antsy. But I say people, you know. Does the average person care? Has the world stopped or is it just us political reporters that are getting Yeah, I wonder that. I wonder whether people people care because part of me thinks after the election everyone's just quite happy to see a bit less of politicians. I do wonder though whether – I think one of the issues that National's facing at the moment is is that they beat the drum obviously for the need of a change of government. To do that you have to make the case that New Zealand is fundamentally broken, um, deeply, deeply broken and needs to be fixed quite urgently. And then having made that case you disappear for five weeks. It's like people are starting to wonder, is is New Zealand as fundamentally broken as it was five weeks ago? (laughs) And, um, and, and, And why aren't you showing the urgency after the election that you that you suggested was required during the campaign, mm. um, I, one, the one thing I wanted to ask you about is one thing for me that you know Christopher Luxon, as you said, doing things differently. I'm I'm wondering whether the strategy is working. He's mm. disappeared yeah. and he's absent. We've got no uh, no visible head of government. Chris Ipkins, obviously Prime Minister, invisible, as he should be really under the caretaking convention. But Christopher Luxon is really just nowhere. He's the invisible man. Yeah, well, I would argue that we do have a head head of government and it's not a Luxon or it's not a Hipkins, it's a David Seymour because he's the one that's actually picked up the ball that was dropped by Christopher Luxon, I think. I think he's been appearing on Hosking quite a lot. Um, He's been doing Heather's Drive show. He's been in all the six o'clock news bulletins and it's easy to get him on the phone. You know, like yesterday after that three-way photo was taken, I just gave him a bell and he was very happy to talk, but not divulge the things in the meeting, just kind of talking about, you know, some of the things surrounding it and giving a bit of context, which is all we really need. And Luxon, I think the reason why I think he's dropped the ball is because he talked quite strongly at the beginning about doing things differently. And he talked about how back in 2017, it was all done through the press and the few journalists. Which it wasn't. We were were, were (laughs) scratching our heads, right? We're like, that wasn't what happened. We camped out and we got tidbits from mostly Winston because Ardern locked herself in a little ivory tower in her ivory tower um, and only came out. And we only saw them the the bottoms of their ankles from like a, from the the platform below, you know. So we didn't get a lot from her then. So we were all very confused. and Bill English was quite absent then as well. Exactly. Yeah. So, but I like this time around. I thought, you know, if you say you're going to do something different, then then you have to 
you have to be able to guarantee that the different thing that you're doing is going to be an improvement on the last thing. Mm. And so far, it's taken longer. Yep. Um, even if you take it, take into account the um, the added days for counting the, the the special votes this time around, it's taken longer. Uh, it should have taken less time, if anything, because there mm. are fewer parties. To, like that, they are there. There is only one side that's being negotiated with at the moment. So, so it's 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 taken a, an absurd amount of time, given how much. How little nego- what they don't need to negotiate with Labour, and and there has been more leaking this yeah. time round. There's yeah. been the, the, it, the, a lot is actually coming out of these talks. So I, I'm not sure, and I, I think to your to your point as well, David Seymour. I think one of the skills that he brings to the government is that having been a one man band for quite a while, he understands how everything works because mm. he sort of had to. He's you know the ultimate small business guy who's become a big business. He sort of understands how everything works from the grassroots upwards. And I think he understands that there's a there is an expectation uh, amongst the public that that you want to see to see a government being formed. You want to see the politicians that you've elected working hard to form a government in your uh, you know interest, and that that means that there's a sort of a, a media vacuum that needs to be filled with something. Now, yeah. if Christopher Luxon isn't filling it, someone's got to fill it, and David Seymour is that person. And I, to be honest, I think the um, the right coalition, or would-be coalition, should probably be thanking their lucky stars that he is, because if there wasn't a person filling that void, it would just be filled with whispers yeah. and speculation. I he's mean, quite a good spokesperson. He's it, saying, everything he's saying is on message. It's, it's bang on. Yeah. You know, it's, it's great. I mean, we should have Luxon doing that, and to be honest, Peters should get over his grumbling and, and doing it as well. Um, but that's a whole nother um, kettle of fish. But if it was complete radio silence, I would be doing my week daily crosses, just kind of saying, well, this might be happening. And just as one political reporter put on their cross, I'm just ruminating here. And we'd be getting a lot of that. <laughs> yeah. do, do, how do you think um, the relationships inside the potential coalition, um, uh, I want to speak about what happened on Wednesday. Mm. Uh, was it Wednesday? Tuesday, um, it's all blurring into one yeah. where it wasn't clear which city Winston Peters oh, yeah. was in. I asked, um, I asked, uh, um, I, I asked Winston Peters um, where he was, just because I wanted to see, you know, uh, where we should base ourselves. I said, um, "Are you in Wellington or Auckland?" And he texted back, "Or San Francisco." Right. Um, very helpful. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, oh God, we've cancelled our flights. <laughs> and I, so I, I, there is this challenge, I think, mm. that um, if he's being as difficult to the, his partners as he is to us, uh, which it appears he is being that difficult because David Seymour doesn't, clearly didn't know where he was. And we don't know whether, where Christopher Luxon thought he was because Christopher Luxon's not saying anything. Is the coalition going to last three years? You know, it's an interesting point. And I think I remember... Back in 2017, everybody was like, well, I give it six months. I give it six months before it all falls apart. And looking back at the mix of just having Winston in with anywhere near the Greens, to be honest, um, and then having um, the Labour Party in there as well, Jacinda Ardern did remarkably well to keep it together for that long. I think this time around, um, despite the history of Seymour and Luxon, which to be honest, um, Seymour and Winston, which to be honest, I feel a lot of it was superficial for the cameras. They're getting along quite well, you know, mm. um, from for all intents and purposes from the meeting. They've got a lot of common ground. I mean, what we're hearing 
hearing Shane Jones talking about um, the treaty and the overreach of the courts. Um, it's right out of um, Seymour's handbook, or Jonesy yeah. would argue that it's right out of New Zealand's first. So I do see them getting along quite well, but the ultimate test will be next next term or in three years' time, the mm. election campaign, because that's when Winston severs ties with the last three years and concentrates on the next. Yeah, well, if he chooses to do that, maybe mm. he'll do something he's never done before, which is to sort of pull a, take a leaf out of the Greens book and say, actually, I've quite enjoyed this government, governing formation, um, elect me to, to elect me to be, you know, the kind of economically nationalistic, culturally conservative um, handbrake mm. or voice in this government, which is something I've had, I've had sort of floated with me that actually after three times of going into government and, and each time failing to meet the 5% threshold afterwards, that this time actually might be different and that, and that he might decide to actually say, well, look, we are frankly a conservative party. Mm. This, is a, this, this, this right-wing government looks like it might survive. Um, elect us to be a part of it uh, and, and, and kind of copy the Greens' um, homework on that. I mean, yeah. Uh, yeah well. the, other, the other factor is, and he's going to hate me for saying it, but the clock is ticking. Winston is 76, 77? Younger than Joe Biden. Younger than is Joe he? Biden. But next, so three years' time, he'll be into his 80s. If they're looking for another three years, I mean, he could be getting – that's – I mean, you know, I'm not I'm not trying to sound ageist or anything like that, but that's quite an like just go to the beach, just go yeah, go fishing Biden's or something. But Biden's eighty, you yeah, know, got plenty, he's got plenty of time. You think? Well, Winston always talks about Strom Thurmond, who I think was in the Senate. I think it was Senator for Georgia. He was in the Senate until. He was 101? Listeners, what Thomas is doing right now is he's sucking up to Winston, so he keeps replying to those texts of Strong his. Thurman. Yeah, he was, yeah, 40, 48 years as a senator. Jesus, that's, yeah. that's a long time. Winston doesn't reply time. to my texts anymore, by the way. <laughs> I've tried. I, I mean, I've got this whole stream of texts where sometimes he'll call me back, but he doesn't text, so it always looks like I'm being left on red, and it's actually quite pathetic when you look at it, but um, it's only me that's looking, and it's only bruising my own ego, which would have been a secret if I didn't just say in a podcast if, if you're listening if you're listening um anyone please reply to jason's text <laughs> yeah, he, really, he really really needs i get it. very insecure um i so i mean one thing i kind of wonder is is i i, I certainly think the relationships inside there are tens mm -hmm. obviously you've had this act new zealand first issue um bubbling away you've got um the Chris Bishop, Nicola Willis, and and Christopher Luxon all in the last weeks of the campaign, saying that they didn't want to be in this position. They mm. are now in this position, and I think I think Winston Peters acting up this week has been um, a sort of revenge for that in a way. Like we we do know from the past that Winston Peters does kind of um, for every action there's an equal and opposite reaction, and I think I think his um, his playfulness this week has been a part of that. Mm. I remember um, just had a bit of building works in the studio. Yeah. Um, it's Wellington. Or it's an earthquake. Earthquake or, or wind is a fun game we play. That's true. Um, I, he, Shane Jones, I think, once called Hamish Rutherford, the chief press secretary of the National Party, um, a bunny boiler, a reference to fatal attraction. Fatal, yeah. yeah. You know, like that's, that's and this was this was when, when um, Hamish Rutherford was a journalist. It was a deeply inappropriate thing to do, I, I guess. Um, but, but you know, so it's, it's all the way through mm. these tense relationships with that party. So you've got to think like what how do you you know how do you make that work yeah it's gonna be a tough there's I mean, a lot of bad blood there is there is but can they put it aside and actually i mean one of the things that i've been relatively impressed with is just when he's speaking publicly the very few times that he has winston peters hasn't 
mouthed off against Seymour. Um, he wouldn't. Have, I don't think he would have done it against Luxon. But I mean, you know this as well. I mean, with the thing with Winston is when he's in cabinet, he knows the rules. And there wasn't very few. There were very few times I can actually remember where he would betray that cabinet confidentiality mm-hmm. and just go out for political g- gain. Even on the campaign trail, I yeah. thought he was relatively, you know, apart from the whole bloody yeah. um, March fifteenth thing recently, which was just wacky. Yeah, really wacky. Yeah, I think as, as well. You you know, since nineteen ninety six, we've seen um, an increased kind of use and reliance on those agree to disagree provisions. Mm. Um, and I think I think you know I, I think the the, the 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 first term of the Labour government they agreed to disagree on um, tobacco, some 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 regulations around tobacco. Three strikes. If I um, was that no just no they New Zealand first killed it. that. Yeah. That's right, yeah. <laughs> Labour agreed to do what Winston wanted, <laughs> which is which is the which is the way that they like it. Um, but I think I think Labour Labour moved on uh, on tobacco and, and and you know New Zealand first agreed to disagree on it. Mm. Um, and obviously you know they, they they stood by the cabinet decision. But you know they sort of said, well look, we we take a different view on this. One of the scariest things you can hear as a parent is quiet. But if you do get a little quiet time, have a listen to The Parenting Hangover. It's not scary at all. If she thinks, man, I've had a shit Mother's Day, it's not on me, okay? You're not my mum. That's the kids. The kids should have been best behaviour, and they chose not to, okay? Yeah. They chose to give you crappy presents. They chose to complain yeah. at the nice breakfast we made. I'm just there, I'm helping, yeah. but it's, sorry, mate. The Parenting Hangover with Clinton Jordan. New episodes every Thursday on iHeartRadio or wherever you get your podcasts. One thing I think is interesting is there's been um, you know the kind of the type of coalition deal we've heard today that um, we're at uh, Winston Peters has returned quite a detailed uh, legalistic sort of document to the Nats to, to look at. Uh, they're all sort of going over these different drafts of the deal. Uh, sounds like they're quite long, quite detailed. Um, what I've heard is a criticism of the first coalition agreement, and if you've got a copy, I've actually got a copy. Mm. A very kind journalist from the time actually donated it to me. Uh, uh, like one of the OG I, copies? An OG copy of the wow. 96 agreement, yeah. No, of oh, the 96 the agreement? 96 agreement, yeah. Which was the journalist that donated that to you? I can't say. Of course. I can't say. Of course. Um, but it's a, it's, it's a great document to look at, and uh, and uh, it's it's uh, the, the issue that, that has been raised, what well, was raised at the time, is that they it was a very detailed document and it specified levels of funding for different things. It went down to that level of detail of, mm. of financials, which are obviously very difficult to forecast three years in advance. Kind of a sort of ridiculous thing to, to think you can you can you know, mm. hold to that. But Winston at the time wanted something very detailed to make sure that if there was a breach of the agreement, that you know you could point to it and say, Well, you promised this and you gave that right. deals off. It's a layman's contract. Yeah. So, um, and, and obviously that's sort of what happened, although in quite a spectacular fashion. Um, that was, people have criticised that in retrospect, arguing that if it's too detailed, it becomes inflexible and the parties can't move enough in a coalition environment. Mm. And so the subsequent deals, uh, you know, the 2017 deal is a good example, list of policies they all agree to, and then flexibility on the side. Very flexible. In fact, very flexible. the way that I remember it wasn't detailed at all. You, no, it, was, it was very um, light. There was the secret 32 or 34, depending, depending on the, on font, the font size, size. <laughs> <laughs> document as well. But yeah, no, you make a good point. And so which iteration is it going to be this time around? Yeah, and I think, so I think, you know, it's that classic thing where you're always fighting the last battle. Mm. I, th- I, actually th- I, I wonder whether they're actually going detailed again yeah. because I think one of the one of the frustrations on all sides, particularly the Green and New Zealand First side, is that not enough was put into those documents in 2017. Yeah, and um, you know, the, I mean, the Greens are furious about light rail 
uh, the clean car policies um, mm. that you know Labor and the Greens put up those the, the, the clean car discount, the quote unquote U tax in twenty nineteen. They were got vetoed by New Zealand First. I think I think they want to do much more of that up front. This yeah. time around. Yeah. New Zealand First does as well. Yeah, I can see why. I mean, they've got the precedent. They've got the the track record to show yeah. why it's important. But you do do you go the, the other way and go too detailed? Well, I don't know. Confusing mm. and difficult. Um, Christopher Luxon, how do you think he's, apart from obviously being invisible, you know, mm. it's not, I have to say, I'm not impressed. It's not been a good start. Yeah, to be honest, I mean, he, all he had to do was just a little, these airport runs where he goes past and doesn't say anything but the same cookie cutter response. Like, I think that's just stop and talk. I know, that's he what, loves an airport. It's a happy place. It's, it's, it's where he's at home, you know? You know, so I bet... He's in the middle of the Christopher Luxon Venn diagram. Yeah. <laughs> Prime Minister-elect, well, designate, and in an airport. It doesn't get much better. It's pick that's, and mud, pick and mud. Totally. But the fact that he's just going through makes it look like he's a bit above it all. Like that yeah. he's, you've got to, you know, he's earned the fact that he's Prime Minister with the votes, but he hasn't really earned the right to just kind of become almost Ardern, late Ardern-esque in the way that he shrugs off media like that, which I think is quite concerning. And that's why that he, going into this, that's why I think Seymour has kind of picked up the ball. I mean, I will say that he does he does his Monday morning media stuff and that's fine, but it's just, you know, press conferences are important. With the job, I think. Mm. He doesn't seem to know what and I think he looks at any public engagement he looks at the downside risk to any public engagement rather than the upside risk sure I think he sort of looks at every every engagement as, as a potential um, to, to sort of stumble mm. um, which I suppose is, is fair enough like um, you know that's true but there's, he doesn't see the upside risk which is that every time you're in, in public you get to make the case for your your government yeah um, and, and, you know, frankly, when nothing's really happening at the moment, the, 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 uh, there's more upside risk than downside risk yeah. because you, you, you're not being held to account for anything because nothing's happened. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, although increasingly you will be held to account for the fact that nothing's happened. But, um, <laughs> but, but I think that he, he – um, I think he has a – it'll be interesting to, to, to see what advice he's getting from the, 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 the kind of grey beards mm. um, because I do think he has a – I think his CEO brain will actually serve him quite well in um, in government. As mm. uh, just to plug a podcast in the Internet stable, the, the Shared Lunch Business Desk uh, shares his podcast with Patrick Smelly and Bill English. Uh, Bill English's thoughts on the incoming governor very, government are very interesting. I do sort of think that CEO brain of of, of just pushing some intense kind of cost discipline onto the public service, some some sort of uh, reintroducing some commercial incentives and stuff yeah. through the through the government, I, I, and I think the ability to go, to go in there and say, well, you know, why does it? Why are we consulting so heavily on this? Why is it taking so long to do this? All that sort of stuff. I think that'll be quite good. Yeah, and it's already started to work. I mean, we, we've already, seen yeah. a number of government departments talk. I mean, even you know, futile things like reducing the per head spend of Christmas parties. I mean, yeah. but like, I think the main thing is just staffing. You know, just stop hiring forty five people to do. And it does three seem to be jobs. A hiring. Yeah, and and I mean, the, the example Bill English used was was um, the length of time it takes to produce a policy document for a decision that's already been made. Well, you yeah, know, if the minister knows that they want to make that decision. And mm. it's a relatively simple decision, you know. Why do we? Why do you need to? Uh, you know, write up a mm. six-page brief on it. I think where where his commercial and CEO brain is is um, is is failing him is that he does not understand, does not appear to understand how 
important being public facing is mm. and and I, th- I, th- I think he doesn't he's never it's been a long time since he's encountered a problem a personnel problem that couldn't be resolved by sacking someone you know he he he's been in competition with other airlines and and you know who does Unilever compete with Procter and Gamble I guess but he's for a long time he's been the the, the boss and, mm. and 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 you you're not used to dealing with equals yeah um but he he is in an environment now a political environment where someone like winston peters cannot be dealt with like an employee it's quite an unusual structure Mm. where you where you have someone who serves in your cabinet uh who serves at your pleasure but who can destroy you yeah who can bring you down should they wish to yeah and and that he's not really getting that and he doesn't seem to he doesn't seem to get the importance of of leading people through in terms of his public engagements. I guess when you're a chief executive, obviously it's a very public-facing job and you've got to be public-facing to your own staff. But, you know, the prime ministerial leadership is is is, is being public mm. and he doesn't seem to see the importance of that, the value of that. Yeah, yeah. No, it's a fair point. Yeah, well, on that long-winded point, sorry, Jason, that took about four minutes to get through. I love your long-winded points. They're the best points that are made. That's why you're such a good columnist. <laughs> well, I'm not a brief columnist. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, as I always tell you, that I, I learned something new with all of your columns, be it something political or a bit of Latin that I didn't know, or just something that Winston Churchill once said at one point. Do you know that you can do Latin on Duolingo at the moment? Is that that app with the, the yeah, owl? We, owl, yeah. Wow, I did not know that. Well, I'm, I'm doing it at the moment. It's quite good fun. Of course you are. It's of different. course well, you are. you know, it's been a long time. I've I was terrible at Latin at school, but I'm, you know, I'm. I'm Most people relax by Netflix or movies. I play golf, oh, and you I just go home. I'm going to do a though. spot of Latin. Well, it's quite funny because when you learn Latin at school, it's all, all of the all of the translations are like, you know, the man kills the boar yeah. with a spear or something. Sure. But Duolingo is like, you know, my name is Marcus. Yes. And my Mark sleeps at home. It's very. It's um. It's a different style of of, um, of learning. Anyway, sorry about that. Uh, I need to thank people. Uh, Ethan, our regular producer, is, in, on, is on holiday. So happy holidays, Ethan, if you're listening to this on the long flight home. Sean Wilson also produces the show, and he is producing it today. So thanks, Sean. We'll be back next week. Will we have a government, Jason? This time next week? Yes, yeah, yeah, I think I'll we will. Yeah, I'll put a on that. We can't do a wager because we both seen things, though. But I'll, 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 I'll put a round on a government. So we'll talk to you then. Have a good weekend. Bye-bye.